Praise the Lord. Oh, what an awesome time of worship we just had and the Lord uh, just being in His presence, singing songs of praise and worship. I don't know about you, but it, it, it's, it's always refreshing to be in the presence of the Lord through worship when we begin to praise our Heavenly Father and give thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome the Holy Spirit within our midst. I want to do that right now. I want to welcome the Holy Spirit right here in, into this moment. We ask you, Holy Spirit, come and move in our midst. Speak to our hearts. Uh, the Bible tells us in John, we're going to see this as we continue in the book of John, that, the, that God, you are going to send the Comforter. You're going, to send, you're going to send the Spirit of Truth, and He's going to testify to us what Jesus is saying and have said. And so, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit now would testify, would speak to our hearts, right? Wherever we are, you know each person's heart, you know where they are, you know where they're, where they're in, what kind of situation they're in, what they need to hear from you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring, open the ears of them to hear, that they may hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, we have, have your way. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Amen. Well, we have been, again, we're going to continue today in the book of John in chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Uh, if you remember last week, Jesus had just been uh, challenged. He was uh, questioned. Uh, he was tested, remember, by the Pharisees with the woman who was caught in the act of committing adultery. And uh, Jesus was ministering there. And as we're in this book, we... Um, Jesus now begins to continue teaching. I mean, remember, the, uh, he was at the Festival of Tabernacles, so he's in Jerusalem. That is finished, and it's the following day. And he's in the temple courts early at the break of dawn, and he's ministering there. That's when they bring this woman. And then, you know, now we move into another place where he continues to teach. So he's moving on and continuing to testify. And in his teaching here, he testifies. He gives a testimony of himself. He gives a testimony of who he is, yet the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, uh, called to question his testimony as not being valid. And we're going to look at that, uh, but I really want to home in on what was the testimony that Jesus gave. There in John, if you look in John chapter 8, verse uh, 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the way, excuse me, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this is Jesus' testimony. He is testifying of who he is, and that testimony of Jesus is still true today. How many of you know we are living in dark times, though we have more information and technology than available to us than ever before in the history of mankind? We have more information at, the fin at our fingertips. We have... Uh, mobile computers in our hand, wherever we go, we can get information. It, it is so sophisticated that they can even tell that someone has a vaccine in them or are not vaccinated in your general vicinity. Uh, this is how, how much technology has, has grown and how, how much information, how much stuff is out there. And yet, we're in darkness. How can it be that... A generation like ours has so much at their fingertips, and yet they're in darkness. So much information, so much uh, uh, technology, so many 
innovations that are taking place, and yet we are walking in darkness as a people. How is this? You know, as I think about it as an American, I never would have imagined that God would be removed from all of our institutions. I would have never imagined that in my lifetime. 42 years old, I would have never thought that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not the gods of the, the foreigners that came here, or not the gods from other religions. We're not talking about that. And I have no problem with a foreigner or anything like that. Praise God. We want the gospel to get to them too. Remember, America was, a, was a, a place where we raised up ministers of the gospel who would go and be missionaries all over the world. And it's still happening today. Maybe not as great as it was before. But America was a Christian nation sending the gospel everywhere around the world. Sending our universities. Do you know our institutions of, of, of knowledge and all this, uh, of education, were, were actually breeding grounds for raising up pastors and teachers to go take the gospel all over this nation around the world. Can you imagine places like Yale, places uh, like Harvard, those places were places where the gospel was preached, declared, and taught to the students. And it is a far cry from that today. We have gained so much knowledge, right? And now we're in darkness. These institutions have been failing right before us. They're crumbling the generation is living in darkness. This is a generation who does not know God. You, 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 you think, oh, well, some of us have an understanding about this God, but to know Him is something totally different. We're living in a generation. There needs to be a reset of the gospel. There needs to be a, a, an understanding from preachers, from Christians, that we are in a post-Christian world. We are no longer in a, in a nation that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are pockets of us that believe in Him. There, but the majority of this country has moved on from God. And, and as a result, we are seeing the decay, the destruction of our society right before our eyes. Because when you reject light, all you have is darkness. And when you can't see where you're going, you fumble around and you break everything. And you, and you do all kinds of things and you think all kinds of thoughts in the darkness. And so we are living in dark times. How dark has it become? That pastors would teach concepts from worldly philosophers and as a result bring about a falling away of the church. Do you, do you understand that there are pastors today, this is how dark it is, there are those who are pastors in the Christian, uh, Christendom who are pre preaching and teaching messages that come from a philosophy rooted in this earth. Not in Jesus Christ. And as a result, we're seeing, we're seeing a, 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 uh, a false conversion. We're seeing people with false ideologies and understanding about the Word of God and how we're to treat each other, how we're to treat human beings and one another. And so this is creeping in to the church and it's been happening for years and it started in our seminaries. This is coming in through our seminaries. This ungodliness, this philosophy that is built on the earth and on traditions of men. But the Bible tells us that we're to not be held captive by those things. I want to take you real quick to Colossians just to remind you of what Paul wrote the Colossian church when philosophies were coming in and as pastors we're to stand and testify to the truth against these deceptive and harmful philosophies. Um, I want to bring this to you. I don't care if the philosophy comes to you and some money, reject it. You're... you're, you're 
You're not, that's not the price of your soul. Jesus paid for it. He paid for your soul on the cross. Reject those kinds of things. Look what he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Do not be taken captive. If many believers have been taken captive by this deceptive philosophy, and it's all over our, our media, it's in our education. Why? Because we have rejected God, we have pushed out the light, and we live in darkness now. And the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When you reject God, when you reject Jesus Christ, you live in darkness. And Jesus is testifying, and his testimony rings true today, that he is the light of the world. And as pastors, we need to be, we need to be watchmen on the wall. We need to be men of God, women of God who declare the truth. There are people out there who, who are Christians, men and women who are not speaking the truth. We need to do that in love. We need to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the gospel of men, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. And that gospel is found right here. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to go listen to this conference, this, this uh, teacher. I'm going to tell you right now, there are many out there who are teachers out there who declare this thing. And they come. And Galatians tells us very clearly, the apostle reminds us that uh, we're not to be taken to captive by anyone in this manner. We're to be careful. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and you are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you. Listen to that. The one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody, I don't care who it is, anybody, this is, can anybody tell me what any, anybody means? Anyone. It doesn't matter how successful their ministry looks in the outside. It doesn't matter how many people are following them, thousands upon thousands, how big and massive. If anyone preaches any other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one the Apostle Paul and the apostles laid down for us, they are to be accursed. We're not to receive that gospel. We're rejected. Why? There's only one gospel. And that's not even another gospel. It's a, it's a, a, a counterfeit can you imagine? If an angel comes to you, he says, curse them. They're cursed. Don't listen to that message. Man, I, this is dear to me. Why? Because we're seeing this. We're seeing this today. People are flocking uh, uh, to these so-called super apostles and teachers, and they're, they're taking it in, and they're being led astray by the thousands, by the millions are being led astray into a deceptive and hollow philosophy. Why? Because it is rooted on this world. It is not based on the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you as a believer to, to ask the Lord to give you discernment. Get your, you, you know how you get discernment? 
Let the entrance of God's word bring light to you. Let the word of God enter your soul every day. Begin to gaze upon the word of God. Begin to meditate upon the word of God. Begin to memorize the scriptures. Let the word of God come into your heart that you might not sin against God. You want to know how to discern between good and evil? Then get in the word of God. Get off the TV for a little while. Read the word of God. Get up every morning. Seek the face of God. Let God speak to your heart. Take some time to take the word in and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the word of God to you. And he will. And he will. God is able. But I want to tell you, even in the darkness, light is still shining. I thank God that there are still men of God out there preaching the gospel fearlessly as they should. There are men of God who are declaring the truth as it's supposed to be preached Amen. We thank God for that. We thank God for those pastors today who have not bowed their knee, knees to Baal and they have not given their souls over to material things. But they said, Lord, to you alone I belong. To you I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. Hallelujah. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Thank you for those brothers who are preaching the word faithfully every week to their congregations, and they're trying to expose the secrets of this world uh, in the darkness. They're trying to bring light to those dark things that are coming into the church. Man, if you have a pastor that way, pray for them. Love them. Encourage them. They need your encouragement. They need your prayers. Why? Because they've not bowed their knee. They're faithfully bringing the truth to you in love. Remember your, your leaders. Remember, honor them before God. These are faithful men of God preaching the word to you. I want to remind you, this is what pastors ought to be doing. In 2 Corinthians 4.2, this is just my introduction. I haven't even gotten to, to, the sermon, to, to Jesus testifying, but it's part of the testifying. Look at what uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinthians in his second letter. He says, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. This is what we as pastors ought to be doing. In 2 Corinthians 4, 2, that's what it declared, that we are to, we are to get renounced, and, uh, renounced secret and shameful ways, and we're not to do anything deception with the word of God, but we're to bring it in truth plainly before the people. Let's pray. Father, as we go into this word, as we begin to read the word of God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate to bring light where there's darkness. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for the church in America. We pray for the church around the world. We ask you, Lord, to raise up pastors after your own heart, Lord, leaders who love you and who, who are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, who have not sold their soul for money, who have not sold their soul for, for uh, sexual morality, but God, those who have given their heart to you. God, raise them up, O oh God, in this hour. Thank you, Lord God, that they're out there preaching your word and continue to use them mightily, Lord God. Lord, I pray for the church. I pray for the saints, the sheep, the, the people of God. I pray for the body of Christ, Lord, that we would live for you. That we would renounce shameful things in our lives and live for the glory of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Jesus testifies. Look, let's read here and let's go back to John chapter 8. 
let's read a little bit and then we'll we'll get back we'll go right into this thing goodness it says here when jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life the pharisees challenged him here you are appearing as your own witness your testimony is not valid Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where, I, where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true. Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written... That the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know him. Excuse me. You do not know me or my father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Mm, interesting. And... Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Again, Jesus testifying to the truth. And no one touched him because his hour had not yet come. Remember, they've been plotting to kill Jesus this whole time because they, were, they believed him to be a false prophet and they wanted him dead. Because people were starting to believe and they were starting to see the Pharisees for what they were. How they were false and they were not true. And they were beginning to see this in the traditions that they were building. And they were beginning to set free people, prostitutes, tax collectors were coming to be born again. They were receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, believing on him. And they didn't like this. And then now the people who are listening in the temple, the churchgoers, right? They're going and, they're, and they're, they're listening to Jesus teach. And they just heard Jesus say, I'm the light of the world. If anybody uh, is, follows me, they're not going to walk in darkness anymore but we'll have the light of life. Man, Jesus, he's continuing here as he just finished. And again, they're just coming at him. They're attacking him. And I want to remind you, uh, we, we talked about this uh, light here. Jesus, uh, uh, John writes about Jesus being light in the first chapter of this book. This was months ago. I think my wife reminded me, we started this journey in October of last year in John. That's a long time. So we, we begin to see what God is doing. But I want to take you back there for a second just to remind you. But this word uh, light in the Greek is phos. And it, it means God is light. Metaphorically, it means God is light because light has extremely delicate, subtle, pure, and a, a brilliant quality. It also speaks of truth and its knowledge together with spiritual purity associated with it. Again, that which expresses exposes to the view of, of all openly, publicly. That's what light means. Reason, mind, the power of understanding, especially moral and spiritual truths. See, remember, the people had just finished celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And that religious leader, and, and remember, y'all remember the religious leaders, they added two appendages to this festival? Do you remember what they were? Because traditionally, according to the scriptures, according to the law, they, the, the, there was no uh, pouring out of water and, and lighting a big old lamp to light up the city. Lighting. 
This, was, uh, this is what they did. Look, they added these two things in the times of Jesus. Those who were Pharisees, they, they, they introduced it. It wasn't a neat, uh, bad thing because it was, it was kind of, of what was happening on those places, but they added to it, and this is what they put. Uh, we, remember, we got this from Easton's Bible's Dictionary. We saw this. Uh, the two appendages were that one of, one of drawing water from the pool of Siloam and pouring it upon the altar. That was found in John 7, 2, and 37. As, as a memorial of the water from the rock of Horeb. Remember, when they were thirsty in their wilderness experience, Jesus had, uh, had told, um, excuse me, God had told Moses to speak to the rock and, and the water, uh, strike the rock at that time. He said, strike the rock and the water came out. The second time was the bad one where he, where he, instead of speaking, he said, now speak to the rock and water will gush out. He struck it out of anger. And uh, that, was, that was definitely not a good time for, for Moses because he disobeyed God. He misrepresented God. Uh, the second thing that they added was of lighting the lamps at night, a memorial of the pillar of fire by night during their wanderings. Okay, so uh, these were awesome and, and really good uh, traditions not necessarily what the law commanded, but there was nothing inherently evil in it in the sense they were still remembering what was happening during their wanderings in the wilderness. Okay, so uh, they needed that light. Jesus, using the, the, this lighting of the lamps, declares who he is. <laughs> He's the light of the world. And if, you're in a, if, if there's darkness, what Jesus is saying, light, my, I am the light because I reveal the path. See, light reveals the path. Darkness hides the path. Remember John in the first chapter when he said, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That's John 1.4. You remember that, guys? We, I know it's been a little while, but that's what John said. The Jews understood God's word is light. Did you know that? They understood that the word of God is light. Jesus is the word, right? Look, look, look what it says here. In Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Again, Psalm 19, 8 said, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of your word gives, words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. I know I'm reading a lot of scriptures, but I'm telling you, it's, you're not gonna, light isn't going to come because Pastor Danny's speaking. Light comes from the Word of God, from testifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how light comes in. Jesus made a profound statement. If you remember, let's go over there to Matthew chapter 6. Let's take a minute and go over there. And he, he stuck this statement in the middle of him talking about our material possessions, money. But I want to use a principle here. John chapter 6. Let's look at verse 22. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Man, that's profound. 
Jesus saying, if you got, if your if your eyes are healthy right now, most of you in here in this room, your eyes are healthy because you get light. You can see when you open your eyes, you see clearly. You see all of us. We saw each other when we got up. Uh, we 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 saw. You know, if you looked outside, you got to see the beautiful sun and you got to see the beautiful sky, your grass, whatever it is. You got to see your wife when you got up. You got, you know, all of those, your children, all of those things we 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 were able to see because our eyes were healthy. But if your eyes were not healthy, all you would see is darkness. (laughs) And as I said, Jesus said he is the light of the world. See, right now. Without Christ, you live in darkness. Your eyes are not healthy. You cannot see. That's why you bump into everything. That's why everything around you is darkness. Because you can't see. That's why you believe all kinds of heresies. That's why you believe all kinds of foolish things. Because you're in darkness. And how great is that darkness in you? Look at what the Bible says about Jesus. It was prophesied about him. Isaiah 9. I want to take you there. Isaiah chapter 9. Look what it says in verses 1 and 2. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in darkness. Hallelujah. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the Deep of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Hallelujah. Hey, you know what? Yeah, a prophet doesn't come from Galilee, but light came from Galilee. Hallelujah. Praise God. We see right here Isaiah declaring about Jesus becoming the light, and he was going to dawn in Galilee. He was going to bring that light from there. Remember, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He is uh, the Son of God, He is the, uh, the descendant of David, King David. He is the Messiah, but they didn't know he was born there because he came, uh, he came to them from Galilee. Remember, Nazareth um, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a territory of Galilee. And out of there, we see Isaiah saying, from Galilee, a light's going to dawn. Hallelujah. And we thank God for that light who dawned. Look, y'all remember Simeon, the old man, uh, when Jesus was born in the temple, what he said about Jesus? What the Holy Spirit had revealed to him about who Jesus would be when he would see him. Let me go over there to Luke chapter 2, just to remind you. It's one of my roles as a pastor, remind you of what the Word says. I have to remind myself all the time what the Word says. Man, if you ever think, oh, I know, I don't know, we, 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 we don't know. We need the light coming in all the time. This is uh, verse 28 it says, Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus, the light of salvation. He's the light of the world. Man, if you're living in darkness, you can't see. And Jesus is shining today through this message. Jesus is shining on you today. Humble yourself. Call on his name and he'll save you. And he'll bring light into your life. He'll remove the grip of sin over your life. And he'll give you an eternal life. This last point I want to make is the Pharisees challenged the validity of Jesus because the validity of Jesus' testimony. They were, they were challenging it. They were upset with him. They didn't like to hear what he was saying. And we saw this in these uh, verses 13 to 20. I mean, it's not a whole lot there. I just wanted to give you this because the Pharisees, they just, they were in darkness. And of course, there are some of you right now, they're just like, eh, this is uh, whatever, because you're in darkness and light is trying to shine. But because the darkness right now is great in your life, you don't want to see the light. <laughs> but I'm praying that the light will shine through, that God would open your understanding. So you can see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, they, were, they, were, they failed to understand the scriptures. Remember, they said, hey, you know, your testimony is not true because you, you, te you, you giving witness of yourself. So it's not valid. And Jesus, because Jesus is Jesus, he had to remind them, hold up. You're not, you, I'm God. I'm the word became flesh. How are you going to try to challenge my validity? My words are true. Even if I testified of myself, that's what he said. But look at this. He reminded him. He said, look at Deuteronomy. Jesus says in your own law, it says something. I want to show you this, what it says in the word of God. In Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, it says, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. You know how uh, the people in darkness like to come at the Bible. Oh, see, they would have killed you and this and that. Listen, you need two witnesses at least to be able to that saw you do it in order for you to be uh, uh, brought to justice. It couldn't have just been somebody saying, oh, I saw this. No, no, you needed two witnesses. And look at what he says. Uh, uh, it says a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So Jesus reminded him, hey, listen, your own law says if there are two, the testimony is true. Two witnesses, the testimony is true. Here it is. He says, the first witness, I testify for myself. The second witness, my father testifies about me. Amen. Jesus is, has two witnesses, himself and his father testify of who he is. And it establishes the truth that he is the light of the world. And yet, these men were like, you can see the darkness in them. Where's your father? And he says, like, man, if you would have known me, you would know who my father is. If you truly, if you knew who I was, if you really saw that I was the light of the world, the Messiah, the one you were waiting for, you would, you would know my father. When you're in darkness, you can't understand what's before you. It has to be God through his spirit to open up your understanding. And I pray there's some people right now, maybe you're in here, maybe you're going to be watching later, that God's opened up your understanding. 
If that's you today, the first thing that you need to do is repent of your sin. Repent, turn away, change the way you think about sin. God has revealed it to you today. God's revealed, hey, I'm a sinner. I've, I've sinned against him. You might say, well, you might not understand fully. Well, sin is where you know uh, where God reveals his word. The, the law of God reveals what sin is. It, transgression of God's law is sin. Well, what's God's law? You should not lie. You should not steal. You should not commit adultery. You should have no other gods before him. You, uh, you will not bow down to any images. You will uh, do not break the, the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother and, and do not covet. Those are the, that's the law of God. And if you find yourself that you've broken that, the Bible says if you broke one, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. And that's why we need a savior. Maybe you're living right now in a, in a lifestyle that isn't glorifying to Jesus, that God is convicting you through this message. Today, do not harden your heart. Don't close your eyes. Open, your, humble yourself, and light's going to shine through. Grace is going to come through and set you free. You know, if you're a brother or sister in Christ and you've just been, been out of God's communion with God, you've not been connected with the Lord today, the Bible says to you, repent. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You need to repent. You need to confess your sin to the Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God is faithful to his people, but you cannot expect God to be okay with you living in sin, knowing that that is wrong. Repent today. Turn back to him and God will revive you. God will, will, will restore fellowship with you and restore fellowship with other people, with other believers. If that's you today, I want to pray right now as we end. If you, if you want to pray, I want to ask you to just pray this with me. If you're a person that says, I need Christ today, I just want you to pray this with me. There's nothing magical in this prayer. This is just you coming to God, humbling yourself, sincere from your heart, crying out to Him for salvation. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize through the Word of God today that I have been living in darkness. I've been living in sin. And your light has shined upon me today. Lord, I repent of my sin. And I confess you, Jesus, as Lord. I ask you to save me. I ask you to wash me clean of my sins. Lord, I believe that you died on that cross and that God raised you from the dead. I believe that, Lord. And you said, if I believe this, if I confess your Lord and I believe that God raised you from the dead, then I'll be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. And now I receive, I ask you, Holy Spirit, come to my life. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit from you, Lord. That it may lead me and guide me. That the Holy Spirit may empower me to live this Christian life. To walk in the light as you are in the light, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for, for my brother and sister Lord, right now that has been living out of the will of God, that have been doing things that you know do not honor. You know that you don't need to be in those things. Right now I want to pray with you. If God's convicting your heart, I want you to take a moment right now to pray and say, God, Lord Jesus, I confess. And you confess what that is. Whatever it is, right there in your car, right here, 
confess to Jesus what it is you've been doing. And when you confess, you're saying, Lord, I agree that what I've been doing is wrong, is sinful, and I choose to obey you from this point on. Agree with God about the matter. And the Bible says, Lord, you promised me if I did this, if I do this right now, that you would cleanse me of all this unrighteousness in my life. And you'll restore my fellowship with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We thank you. We love you. And may God bless you. We'll see you next time.